Hey everybody, thanks for being a part of another episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's going to be a great show, but before we begin, I want to give you an update on the situation with the premium subscribers. Of course, a lot of you already know that there is a premium wing to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast available exclusively at stitcher.com slash notsam. Now what you get with the premium wing is you get this show completely ad-free Each and every week, Thursday morning, a version of this show with no ads gets uploaded over at stitcher.com slash notsam. You will also get, every two weeks, a bonus show available exclusively for the people listening on Stitcher Premium. And that bonus show is called Captive Audience. It's where uh, I watch uh, an old show on the WWE Network, an old pay-per-view, whether it's Uncensored 95 or Royal Rumble 99 or WrestleMania 8, and I sit down with my wife or my dad or one of my buddies from childhood or somebody that normally would not be watching one of these shows, and we explain it in real time, or at least I explain it to them in real time, uh, and I try to explain why we watch what we watch. You can watch along with the pay-per-view and listen uh, to me break down everything that's going on, and that's available exclusively at stitcher.com slash notsam. It's in the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast feed. One week uh, delayed. So if you were expecting an episode on Monday and you didn't see it, that's because this Monday we're delaying it by a week and then going back to the every other Monday format. So this Monday, we will be back with another episode of Captive Audience available exclusively at stitcher.com slash notsam. If there is an event you want us to cover this week, tweet me at notsam. Let me know. Make sure you're a part of the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Premium Edition by going to stitcher.com slash notsam. And enjoy today's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. And here we are again as the post-WrestleMania landscape of the WWE starts to show itself. We are back with another Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us once again. And a lot to get into. A lot to get into in the bridge segment. A lot to get into in the state of wrestling. Of course, we had a double shot last week with Braun Strowman and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's quote about cardio was probably tweeted back to me more times than any other singular quote in the history of this Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, So I was glad that that resonated with all of you. By the time you hear this, that Paul Heyman interview should be up over on the YouTube page at youtube.com slash notsam if you want to watch along. And there's an exclusive interview from WrestleMania Media Row, same spot where I interviewed Paul Heyman, with AJ Styles. That interview is not going to air here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It is exclusive to youtube.com slash notsam, and it is up right now. It's just a conversation with him a couple of days before WrestleMania about not only uh, getting ready for WrestleMania and what is going on in his head as he prepares for the first confrontation in a WWE ring at WrestleMania at all places for the WWE Championship, of all things, with Shinsuke Nakamura. We also get into what at that point was a potential dream match with Daniel Bryan. We get into the video games, whether he plays Fortnite, whether he plays PUBG, a whole bunch of stuff. It's always great 
when I get to sit down and chat with AJ Styles. And that chat is available for you to watch right now at youtube.com slash notsam. Now let's get into this week's uh, wrestling podcast. It's another double shot. We're finishing the interviews from WrestleMania Radio Row. Uh, and this week it's a double shot from the superstars of NXT. Just days before both of them. I was going to say one of them won a championship and one of them retained a championship, but just days before one of them won a championship and one of them not only won a championship but retained another championship as well as gained a new member to their faction, Adam Cole and Aleister Black both sat down with me. Now, we're going to start with Aleister Black. Um, And Aleister Black, I'm glad this is the first time I'd gotten a chance to speak with him, and I'd love to get a longer sit-down so we can kind of go over his career, but I'd also love for him uh, to continue to do stuff within WWE to really flesh something out because there will come a time when there is a long conversation between the two of us that we have here on this wrestling podcast. But Aleister Black, of course, a lot of us were at least aware of him. Some of us were following his career in Europe and outside of the WWE, but a lot of us were at least aware of that career. Um, he had a limited run on the independence in America, but it really made a name for himself over in Europe, of course, as Tommy End. And interesting story, the name Tommy End was only used once on WWE TV when Aleister Black was making his debut at TakeOver. It wasn't that the past was supposed to be hidden because every every NXT superstar that has come into NXT and changed their name, the name change has been something that... It's almost been a ceremony, right? It's been acknowledged. Whether it was Kana becoming Asuka, whether it was Devitt becoming Balor, whether it was... Steen becoming Owens, you know, all of that stuff, except for Sami Zayn, because Sami Zayn was there before that was happening, but even uh, uh, Kenta becoming Hideo, you know, all of that stuff. I remember being at the NXT TV tapings where Hideo Itami and Finn Balor first debuted, and I remember getting to sit there at Full Sail and look at the big screen as Prince Devitt, I believe they put Prince Devitt, it was either Prince Devitt or Fergal Devitt, whatever it was, kind of faded away and blurred into Finn Balor. And that's the name that we know him as now. Of course, it's odd to call him anything besides Aleister Black because that's part of the WWE branding machine. That's one of the things that they're so good at. But at the NXT TakeOver that he debuted, I called him Tommy End. And it was said, you know, I I actually talked to them ahead of time and said, can I acknowledge? They said, absolutely bring up, Sam, that you are aware of him. You're You're supposed to be a voice of the fans, not the voice, but a voice of the fans. You're a, a particular type of fan. You're a Sam Roberts uh, wrestling fan, and you should know who Aleister Black was before he got to NXT, as you do. So I said, you know, I'm going to say Tommy N then if I'm talking about what he did beforehand. And they were like, yep, say it once, but say it once, and that's it. So if you go back to that kickoff show, you will hear his name uttered by yours truly on WWE TV, which I think is kind of cool, but it's really been great watching him click. You know, uh, Alistair Black is one of those guys who immediately when you see him in the ring, you get it. From the entrance to the style of match that he has. And, and you know, he's he's gone through at War Games. He and the Velveteen Dream, to me, had match of the night. Uh, and, and he has been, as the months have gone on, 
a crucial part of that NXT roster and a crucial part of every takeover that he's on. And, you know, as we saw the Superstar shakeup happen, and we saw all these superstars get brought up to Raw and SmackDown, both the Monday after WrestleMania and this week, it becomes even more important that NXT has a great figurehead, and that's who they have in the new NXT champion, Aleister Black. We spoke to him uh, a day, the day before, 24 hours before he became the NXT champion. Aleister Black sat down at WrestleMania Media Row to be a part of Sam Roberts' wrestling podcast, and this is what it sounded like. It's this week's interview segment, the first of two, Aleister Black. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, here we are at WrestleMania Media Row, and with us is Aleister Black. What's yes, the haps, sir. man? Just uh, letting it all happen. Yeah. Did you did you think that it was going to happen? I mean, you know, you were you were obviously well known before you got here, mm-hmm. but it's also you know you were not as well known in America, right? Like, like, like no. you, weren't, you weren't on that path of like, okay, I, I do the American Indies, I do the Ring of Honors, I do whatever, and then I get here. Like, it was kind of... I, um, I, was, I, was, I, was, so, I was someone in, <laughs> in, in, in Europe. You know, that's, that's where my playground was. And I was st- just starting to break through the American Indie, uh, indie circuit. Like, I was doing a lot of Evolve, Frozen Gorilla, and I was starting to do, like, the more bigger platforms of the independent circuit um doing all the big ones in in europe but there's always like that difference between europe and uh, and the united states as well as like you know the united states and japan i was working in japan as well um and i think before i truly became like that presence on the um on the um um Alistair, I, I have to I have to apologize for Paul. No, 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 no. Please he's, do not he's apologize a weird for Paul. Guy <laughs> interrupting Paul our conversation. For <laughs> but now, now we're listening to Paul Heyman yell about about me. Yeah, this is well, about I, you. I not think, about me. Well, you know, like I, I think Paul Heyman wants it to be about you. Like, <laughs> I think we need to turn the interview around now. Sam Roberts, how do you feel about Paul Heyman? <laughs> and can you can you give us an uh, can you give us an answer to that? Like, it really does, though. I mean, talking about where you're coming from, sure. it really does say a lot about how global the entire wrestling industry has become. That, yeah. Like, there was a thing where if you were famous in Europe, it really didn't mean that much here. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think once you start to make a name for yourself in Europe, yeah, American fans well, that, are that's, really that's kind of that's kind of how it went for me. Yeah, like I I, I became I became a personality in, in in Europe, and that resonated all the way through the United States. And then the United States was like, "Hey, who's this guy?" And then mm-hmm. the United States started bringing me over. And before it became this big thing, WWE was like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And, <laughs> and it kind of kind of kind of went there, and. Um, it's. I was. I was. I was. I was talking about this with um, with Booker with Booker T as well. It's. It's such a crazy ride. I started in two thousand, so that's eighteen years ago. I started training in two thousand. Wow. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that I've been, in 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 sports entertainment, professional wrestling for such a long time, and they. Obviously, the the first exposure that the majority of people have is throughout WWE, throughout NXT, and they're all kind of like, oh, this guy comes from like you know strictly this sure. but there's an entire history before 
uh, NXT and WWE that that brought me to uh, the NXT. I mean, that's responsible for me being being there. And it's 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 mind blowing to think about how I went from performing in front of thirty people to tomorrow standing in, in the smoothie center yeah. in front of like well. You probably know the numbers better than I do. I'm a, I'm <laughs> a, a lot of people. A, in, a lot of people. in front of a lot of people. Definitely yeah. more than 30 people. It'll be so, a lot more than 30 people. So it's... it's I, say, I said to him as well, I said, like, it seems like every year I tell myself it is not going to get any better. It is not going to get any bigger. This is what's going to be. So and then every year it gets bigger and better. Were you at that place before WWE came calling where you were like, you know what? I have a good name for myself. I'm making good money. I'm making a living doing this. WWE never comes calling. That's fine. I'm, I'm in this great spot. Or were you like, nope, I'm still fighting for that recognition? No, I was in a good spot. Yeah. I was in a very good spot. Yeah. And uh, I I also know that WWE knew that. And, um, yeah, we had to talk for a bit. But it yeah. was uh, it was all positive and it was all good. And it was a, very, it was a lot of respect and uh, a lot of respect for my prior career. And uh, WWE has been nothing but great to me. Which is great. Yeah. They, that they acknowledge that. We're talking about that with Adam Cole too. That they, they yep. acknowledge. That yeah. You have this body of work. You're not yes. Just, you know, sort of blank canvas no. coming in that they're going to turn you into something. Yeah. Um, did you? Was there any part of you that's like, I haven't done everything that I could have done in the Indies before getting here in America? That goes like, wow. You know what? Maybe I should wait a year. Or are you going? No. My my market was for me it was never really uh, the United States. My market was Japan and Europe, and I yeah. was very happy with my market being Japan and Europe. Um, what I did in America, I'm very proud of, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't my defining fight, if that makes any sense. Like, yes. it wasn't like, yes. it, like United States was not the, the hill that I was dying on. Right. I was like, I gotta, no, that was not, that was not it. Got it. I was, uh, I was more than content with what I was doing and where I was going, uh, offers that I had and, uh, where my, uh, where my career was headed to. And then this came and like, it was almost like a curveball, man. And you're like. Right. Whoa. You know, what I mean, I, I never, I never, I never pondered this possibility because yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm six, six foot. I'm 215 pounds. I'm definitely not like a, a big guy. Tatted you know? up from head to toe. Well, like that's you I, look, you know? well, <laughs> sure. I have a look, yeah. but like from a physical, like I'm, I, I mean, I'd like. I look like a like like a fighter. I look like a martial artist, right. you know. Like, and that's always what I've like what I was striving for. But never in a million years would I think that WWE was like, you know what? He would actually suit us. You know what I mean? It was right. it was very very very. It was a curveball that I never thought would happen. Had I thought about the idea before, prior to coming to WWE, yeah, I have. But I was always like, well, WWE wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to have me, right? Because that was my mindset of like, well, you know, I'm going to focus on what I what, what's obtainable. And for me. Going to WWE was never obtainable because I figured they would never be interested in a guy like me. And then all of a sudden, there's an email. Right. And, and it really a- is interesting because instead of trying to be like, okay, let me try to uh, change my style up so I can show WWE or something, you put that out of your mind and you just get good at what you're actually good at. And yeah. that's when it happens, right? Because you you just got good at what you actually did. Yeah, that's li- that's 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 100% how that went for me. Yeah. I, I did what I had to do and uh, I never had the mindset of like oh if i do this maybe WWE will notice me i did me mm-hmm. and that has apparently been enough and i say that making it sound like it was no effort but it was like it was a lot of effort yeah. I, I don't think i've ever worked harder for anything in my life than i have for professional wrestling sports entertainment like i've never been as dedicated to to, to something even when i was still like a martial artist like a competing martial artist i Put a lot of effort and time into it, but not as much as I do 
with wrestling. I wake up thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it, and that has not changed in the past 18 years. This just resonates with you more than martial arts does. It does. Yeah. Because I got into martial arts because of pro wrestling, because right. I thought what I was seeing was two dudes fighting and competing, and I was like, oh, that's, I got to start doing martial arts. I was three years at the time, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. when I started doing martial arts. So, like, gaining an interest in professional wrestling, I was like five, six years old when I started doing judo and karate and stuff like that, and eventually moved on to Pinchak Shilad and kickboxing. Um, but... My uh, my love was always professional wrestling, always. So, so you've been training in pro wrestling since 2000, but let's be honest, you've been training for this since you're five years old. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is which yeah. is incredible. It did the groundwork. Did you uh, when you see uh, everybody coming out of Philly and talking about this uh, Gargano Andrade title match and how it's like match of the year, match of the year, match of the year, and it's like, well, you're up next, buddy. You're the next title match. Are you going like, okay, I gotta. I got to figure out how to one-up that match. Like, I got to figure out. No, because they had their own storyline. They had their own energy. They had their own, you know, I'm not going to let whatever, you know, whatever energy dedicted them to have what they had to dig mine. I come in there and do me. So I, it goes back to what exactly we were talking about before. Like, no, I'm yeah. just going to do what I do well, yeah. and that's what I do. Yeah, I'm not, I'd like. I'm not like. Uh, uh, my my goal here is to obtain uh, the the championship. That's what I'm competing for. I'm not competing for a match of the year. I'm competing gotcha. for that. I, I want to have that belt. Right. That's what I'm competing for. I don't care about match of the year. Right. I care about competing. I care about my career. Right. Right. Because at the end of the year, the guy who has the championship is the one who's the best, not the guy who had match of the year. Right. Well, you know, like let's that's let's what it means. well. To an extent, like you know, um, not to take away from 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 what Johnny and 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 Andrade did, because uh, unbiased, they're both you know incredible performers, and I have to I have to like I have to watch it getting in there with with Andrade because he's obviously no laughing matter because he carries that belt. Mm -hmm. um, but for me personally, as a competitor, it's it's I don't look at what other people do and go like, oh, I got to top that. No, gotcha. not at all. I got to do me. How did you feel when you found out the big deal they were going to make out of you, meaning, like, give you the uh, the vignettes coming in and then that big entrance to, like, let everybody know this is what the, Aleister yeah. Black is? It was very intimidating. It was. It, 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 because it came from a WWE point of view. And it was like, I, 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 I did stuff... Uh, on the independence for years where I like I made I made videos and stuff like that and like we did promo packaging but nothing compares to what they do in terms of promo packaging and building you up and uh, presenting you to uh, to an audience like it's unrivaled what they do mm -hmm. it's insane yeah yeah so when that started happening we started filming everything I was like whoa this is there's some big stuff. We're making movies here. Yes, we're doing. We're yeah. doing. There's some production work here. Oh wow! Look, seven cameras. Yeah. Are you? Uh, are you? Are you itching to get onto the main roster, or are you still just like you were before I'm, you got to NXT? I'm I am. I am good wherever I go, and if the main roster is where eventually I will go, then I will carry that brand. But until now, I'll carry the NXT brand wherever I go. Are you ready for it, man? Alistair Black, it's awesome to see you doing what you're doing. Thank it's you. It's a lot of fun to see this whole thing happen, and. Uh, Good luck this weekend. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Before we go a step further, you know what I got to tell you guys about. It's SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and, and confusing. Just like talking about it, but there's a better way to do it, and that's with SeatGeek. Whatever show you're going to, let's say uh, you're already prepping. You know, the Royal Rumble is in Phoenix, and it's, it's what? What are we, in April? 
So we got about seven months to go before the Royal Rumble. You want to make your plans to make sure that you get tickets. One way you're going to be able to make sure that you get tickets is by using the SeatGeek app. You want to take a trip to Brooklyn, you might as well book your tickets. If you want to be a part of SummerSlam weekend and you want to come out to Brooklyn for it, book your travel plans now because SeatGeek is going to make sure that you have the best seats in the house. SeatGeek does not only all the great WWE shows, but they do all other sporting, wrestling, fighting events. They do concerts. They do comedy, baseball, football, whatever you need. They do Broadway. You're coming to Brooklyn this summer For SummerSlam, you want to go to a Broadway show, you can get everything done on SeatGeek. What SeatGeek does is they take data from all the spots where you can get tickets from, and they make sure that you are getting the best deal. There's no hassle. There's no nothing. You you download the SeatGeek app onto your phone. It shows you the seating chart. All the seats have this value system on it, so you know which seats are the best deal. You know exactly where the seats are. If the deal doesn't matter, you just want front row, it'll show you where the front row is and what the ticket number is that you're buying. It is so easy, it's guaranteed, and all the tickets are guaranteed authentic. Know that you're going to get in, know exactly where you're going to sit, and know that you didn't overpay. And I can do you one better. If you're worried about overpaying, what if I told you I can get you $20 off your first purchase? Yes, if you use promo code SAM on your SeatGeek app, you are going to get $20 off your first purchase. That's only for you listeners of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Download the SeatGeek app on your phone, put promo code SAM in, get $20 off, and you can now be a part of whatever major event you want to be a part of. Only with SeatGeek app. Download that app, enter promo code SAM, and you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Do it today. And thanks to Alistair Black for being a part of this thing. Uh, I Again, I can't wait to have a longer conversation with him, but it is so cool watching the rise of this guy, and uh, I think we have barely scratched the surface as far as Alistair Black goes. If I had to guess, I would say uh, NXT champion for quite a while. I think he's the guy that they're looking to to bring that promotion, bring that brand to the next level and carry it for quite a while. It's interesting what they do because it's like old school wrestling in the sense that Andrade was a heel champion that was almost transitioning from a Drew McIntyre into an Aleister Black. And it's uh, it's cool to see old wrestling psychology get applied with new methods of storytelling so it feels relevant, but the classic stuff still works. Very, very cool. Speaking of the classic stuff, Another classic, Adam Cole. This is a very special one. Again, took place at WrestleMania Media Row. But uh, Adam Cole, I think the last time I recorded an interview, certainly not the last time we had a conversation, but the last time I recorded an interview with Adam Cole, it was right outside Reseda, California. We were on uh, a balcony of a motel. You can find the interview on YouTube. It's posted. And it was right before a PWG show. And, you know, he just happened to be in town. I texted him, blah, blah, blah. We we connected. And get this. You want to talk about a small world. It was Sam Roberts and Adam Cole and Kathy Kelly was there helping me out with everything. All in Reseda. And then, you know, that was the PWG show that you, there's pictures of Kathy and I uh, at that same evening with watching, 
guys like Adam Cole and Roddy Strong, and it's just so cool to watch everything come full circle. But this is as full circle as it gets. To watch Adam Cole, who we had on the podcast in Reseda, we had on the podcast when he was the Ring of Honor World Champion, and I said from the beginning, I said years ago, that I thought that this guy was going to be a WWE superstar in no time flat, and it's uh, it's really cool to see things happen to people that uh, things should happen for. To go from Reseda to WrestleMania Media Row is a pretty amazing head trip. Uh, it's the it's a it's a great story, and just like I said for Aleister Black, it's only the beginning of the story for Adam Cole. So let's tell the story together. It's another chapter in the Sam Roberts, Adam Cole uh, interview saga, WrestleMania Media Row, this is Adam Cole. We're at WrestleMania Radio Row, and uh, with me is a guy who I think we last spoke in a recorded conversation uh, on a balcony in a motel in Reseda before a PWG show. Adam Cole, what's the haps? Uh, The haps are good. The haps are, this is my first... WrestleMania weekend ever with WWE, so it's yeah. pretty awesome, yeah. pretty exciting. I guess, yeah, because you have been a part of WrestleMania weekends, but in like right. the uh, Ring of Honor capacity or the mm-hmm. Wrestle or the WrestleCon capacity or whatever, so now you're, how does it, how does the weekend compare when you're on this side? Because I'm sure you always felt like it's a busy weekend because all the guys that aren't with WWE still have a busy weekend, their show's running all the time. Sure. But now you're actually part of the whole WrestleMania machine. Yeah, for me it's a it's a combination of first of all I was busy then, but not this busy. Right. Like this level of busy is is way different. But second of all, kind of knowing that for, and for the most part, I know what attracts wrestling fans from all over the world, and people like to check out different wrestling promotions or different shows. But people are here for WWE WrestleMania. So so the amount right. of people I'm running into who are very aware of NXT or Raw or SmackDown, obviously. It's a, it's a lot different in that sense. There are tons of, tons of WWE fans yeah. here, obviously. What's your level of, of recognition? Because you were on the Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. but so far you haven't been on WWE TV, you've been on NXT TV, which is still a huge exposure. Have you kind of been surprised at the amount of people that are coming up to you now and being like, Adam Cole? Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a lot more uh, since starting with NXT. Yeah. And then even post-Royal Rumble. It's, it really? De- yeah, definitely more often that, that people come up and say, hey, can I get a picture or an autograph? Like, it just shows the scale of, of how many people really do watch WWE. So, yeah, definitely more so. After a before. weekend like you had in Philly, where you have this amazing match with Alistair, and then you get the spot in the Royal Rumble, do you, like, on Sunday night think to yourself, well... If this is it, then this is fine. Like, right. this is, I don't know. I can't possibly, in good faith, ask the universe for anything else. Yeah, Sam, it was the craziest, because I found out last minute. And, and sec- about the Royal Rumble. About the Royal yeah. Rumble. And second of all, the first wrestling show that I ever went to was in that building. The first WrestleMania I ever watched was in Philly. Like, I trained to be a pro wrestler in Philadelphia. So, like... So many things mean so much to me coming out of Philadelphia. Right. To so be able to make my Royal Rumble debut in Philadelphia, I was like, wow, great career, Adam. All right. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's it. Right. See ya. You're going to retire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. And, and I, what was the feeling? Because I haven't talked to you since then. I was out there in the audience for it, for the whole match. And, like, when your entrance come out, and you put the two fingers on each hand, four fingers in yeah. the air. And the whole crowd not only just says Bebe with you, but says Adam Cole, Bebe, the entire arena at the Royal Rumble, where, like, you're going, 
Are they going to know who I am? Like, yeah. is this a WWE audience that just watches Raw and who's this guy? Or But when the whole arena is right there with you, is it like, like, do you take it in or are you so focused on, I got to, this is just the beginning. I actually have to do this match now. I, I definitely made sure that I enjoyed that for what it was. Yeah. Uh, um, my, my favorite part was when the, the music hit and the people reacted. And then when I came out and they reacted that I was there and then I stood there, I made sure I didn't truly get in the, okay, I have a job to do until after I did Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> like I made sure to enjoy that. I was You're like, right. okay, I'm going to enjoy this as best I can. But yeah, I, I had the same kind of feeling as when I debuted at, at uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 3 when I ran in and attacked Drew McIntyre. I remember, Barclay Center goes nuts. Yeah, and I remember thinking, God, I hope they care. God, yeah. I hope they react in any capacity. This is the end of the event. So I was just really, really hoping they were, they were interested in what was going on. But both times they haven't let me down. Now, both times they've been great. Are you prepared? So if you, if you know going in, okay, I'm going to give myself a second after I do my entrance just to take it in. Mm -hmm. If it's silence, if it's like crickets, if it's, you know, worst case scenario, are you like, and I have to be ready to then go and perform after that? Right. If, if I just take in the fact that, oh, Nobody cares. Right. <laughs> like, how do you then recover? Oh man, that's the that's the nightmare situation. Fortunately, yeah. they that hasn't uh, happened to me here yet. But oh my gosh, early on when I first that's, started wrestling, yeah. all the time you would just you kind of you take it on the chin in that moment mm -hmm. and just go. Okay, doesn't matter. Have a job to do. Right. Like, and, and, or now, now I have a better understanding of like, it, say, if the reaction isn't necessarily what I want it to be, I'm like, I'm gonna make them care. Like by the end of this, I'm gonna make them be on their feet or make them clap or boo or whatever it is I want them to do. And it's just like a like an added job for me to do then too. But oh yeah, that that's definitely soul crushing. <laughs> for if you're like, oh man, okay, no one cares. When you start, because I mean, I'm assuming it's like a comedian who goes up there and in the beginning. Just bombs. And, like, yeah. so many comedians have stories of they start, and the first time they go up, laughs, 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 because they have that new comedian energy. And then the second time, they have this false comedian confidence, and they go up there, and it's just a colossal <laughs> bomb. Right. And, like, I guess my question for them, my question for you is, early on, are you like, oh, my God, I need to quit this. I'm terrible. They don't care. Oh, for sure. Like, well, actually, very early on, you're so happy and fascinated that you're in a pro wrestling ring mm -hmm. that often I would get little to no reaction but would come to the back and feel like I've won because I, I'm i wrestling. Right. Like, it was the coolest. I'm not in school. I'm not in wrestling I'm school I'm not in school. No I'm, I'm performing in front of 20 people. This is amazing. Like, everything is so, so cool. But, yeah, definitely as... As you get more comfortable with it and as you mature and move on, when when stuff like that happens, it it is hard, but at the same time, like I when I first started, I, I worked for a company where the fans notoriously were really, really, really hard on other performers. Mm -hmm. So I have a pretty and starting in Philly, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's part of it. And I have a pretty tough skin that uh -huh. when it comes to uh, fans getting on wrestlers and stuff. So yeah, just to just stay in focus. Yeah. That's that's kind of it. Yeah. yeah. And I guess and and going from uh, playing roles of top good guy and top bad guy and everything kind of makes you prepared for all potential reactions. Sure, absolutely. What's the What was the biggest audience that you had performed to before you got here? Uh, before I got here, it would be the uh, Tokyo Dome oh, over, okay. in, over in Japan. Right, of course, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, for Wrestle Kingdom. So yep. it's not like the arena atmosphere was foreign to you. Sure. Right, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. kind of been there. Because that's also what I kind of wonder is when you have those first big moments, because there are guys that come over in the biggest room they've done is like the Hammerstein, which is a big room. Yeah. And like, you know, but yeah. when you get there, you have to kind of instantly, especially if you're coming in on a high level like you, right. be able to 
know how to captivate the Barclays Center. Sure. Instantly, right? Right, But right. I guess doing the Tokyo Dome and stuff. And it, But it's amazing how different they all are. Like, like the Tokyo Dome, it, so many people, but it's so large, you almost, I don't want to say feel disconnected, but they're so far away. Sure, sure. That even when, when they would react, it was on a second or two delay. Like, right. you would do something, and then you'd hear the, whoa, afterwards. And I guess, and they also do, like, the second guardrail, so even uh-huh. the front row fans, there's yep. a distance there. Yep. Whereas the, the Barclays Center... It was so cool, and a lot of these arenas are so cool that the, that the NXT fans are so great that they're so loud that you feel like you're in this very intimate, small atmosphere almost. They, right. they do kind of feel like they're on top of you. Right. So. Is there any, you know, you talk about the NXT fans, and the questions always come up about, like, NXT's ability to maintain. And I guess yeah. people ask the same question about the Bullet Club. Like, before you joined yeah. the Bullet Club, people were ready to kind of wash their hands with it, and it's, it's as hot as it's ever been to this day. Right. But, like, and same thing you could say for NXT. Um, is is there a pressure to be like okay like we had the Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn generation and okay and then Nakamura and Samoa Joe and that generation and it's like now it's on you and it's yep. on it's on uh, uh, the Undisputed Era and it's on uh, Alistair and it's yep. on it's on you guys is there that pressure to be like we're not in this thing where we're even building as much anymore the bar is high right in NXT. Yeah, yeah, no, there absolutely is that pressure, but I think that's what makes anytime anytime guys move to Raw or move to SmackDown, I think that's what's kept NXT so relevant and kept the fans so invested, is because they're now conditioned to know that whoever leaves and whoever comes in, NXT as a product is always going to give really, really exciting sports entertainment every time. Right. So uh, you ha- you do have your different generations of guys, and those generations before did excellent jobs. So it does put pressure on guys like me and Alistair and Bobby and Kyle and everyone else involved in NXT now. But I think that's when everyone is at their best, when, when you have pressure and you have something to work towards or almost compare yourself to or right. try to best. Right. It, it really does make you better. And there is that mentality when you have a weekend like this, you have a weekend like Philly, the fact that takeovers are done at the same weekend as the big four or the big five or whatever. Like, is there that mentality of not only do I want my match to steal this show, but I want to make this show the show that people are talking about going home. 100%. And I I think that is a big reason. Like, WrestleMania is WrestleMania. It's the biggest wrestling show of the entire year, no question. But uh, when everyone has that mentality of not only do you want to steal the show, but you want to steal the weekend, the fans are going to get to see a lot of really great wrestling matches. Mm -hmm. So it just, it creates the coolest, coolest environment all weekend. But the, the NXT group definitely has the mentality of, Let's steal the weekend. So in Philly, like when I watched the match, my reaction to the hardcore match with Alistair was yeah. like, "That's the show. Like they just they just got it." And like, you know how how is the championship match going to follow that? And then the championship match comes on, and I'm like, oh, "Oh my god, are you leaving that hardcore match?" Like, yeah, got it. And then watching the championship match, like, ah. <laughs> no. The, the truth of the matter is, is uh, I, I know that the the extreme rules match with Alistair that had gone well, and I know yeah. it was received well. But if anyone could just take something and, and make it all about them and just totally steal the show, Andrade and Johnny are, are two guys who could do that. And to me, that's what I love. That's my favorite part about NXT is you can go in thinking, oh, that's it. Nothing's right. going to top that. Right. And then it does. And that happens so many times in NXT because the, the level of talent here is so good. So right. it, yeah, it really is a conversation every show of like, what match do you think is going to steal yep. the show? And it could literally be any of the matches. Any of the matches. Right. Any of the matches this weekend at, right. at Takeover. Any single one could could be a show stealer. Right. And luckily, yep. you have a you have a chance at, at you have a, a two. What is it? Twice. Six matches or five? Six. 
Uh, six guys. Six, no, is it six matches or five oh, matches? Oh, five matches. Okay, so you yep. have two and five is a pretty good Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good ratio. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you get excited when you find out you're doing two matches or are you like Jesus, what is a six-way ladder match? And then I got a triple threat. Like, this is not going to be an easy night. No, I'm, I'm very excited. Like yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of pressure that comes with having two major matches at a takeover, especially WrestleMania weekend. But again, like I was saying earlier about pressure and how that's actually good for us, I love the pressure of that. I love knowing that I have to go in and have a six-way ladder match for this new championship, right. being involved in the tag team title match. I love the the more I can be out there, the better, especially this weekend. And how great is it that aesthetically everybody likes what the title looks like? Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. all you need to do is debut an ugly belt, and then you got to work through that in the match. I mean, right. you know, at SummerSlam when they debuted the Universal Title, like Rollins and Finn Balor are having the match of their lives, and everybody's booing the belt, and I'm like, no, right, no. right, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, th- I think the the title has a really cool old school it looks really feel great. to it. I think it looks awesome. Do you? Uh, do you talk to any of the guys that aren't here now about what they should be doing? Because, I mean, I remember, and I would talk about this when you would do the podcast, you know, back in the day and how you would be one of the few guys on the indies that would show up in a suit. And, like, I think I even said it, and thank God I said it on the podcast because it makes me sound like I know what I'm talking yeah. about. But you you carried yourself like somebody who was going to be here. Like, you know what I mean? And it wasn't yeah. just, like, in the way... You worked. It wasn't just like your matches, and you're like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna go." It was in your interviews, in your, and you just felt like, "Okay, this is a guy who fits would fit in as a superstar in WWE." Do you talk to guys about, you know, younger guys about how they should carry themselves, not just in the ring, but in interviews and stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah. You felt like like you had been trained to do media interviews. Okay. Yeah. Before you'd been trained to do media interviews. Right, right In a right, good right. way. In a, oh, in a really thank you. good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, it, it, for me, I don't really necessarily seek it out. But if someone comes and asks me my advice, I never just give, give them in the ring advice. I always try to help them with, like you said, with media outside of things, with promos, with how they present themselves in and out of the ring. Because it really is, it's just as important. Of course, yeah. the wrestling is so, so important. But uh, the, being able to be someone that, that someone can count on is is equally as important, if not more. Well, we're a long way from a, a hotel in we Reseda, are. <laughs> from, a, from a balcony in Reseda, and I'm glad that you're here, man. And uh, I I always knew you would be, and I'm just it's just it's nice to see where this whole thing is going. That I feel like for the most part, the guys that should make it are making it. Oh, it's kind yeah. of an amazing thing. Thank so you. It's been congrats cool. on everything and it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun weekend to watch, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it should be. Before we go a step further, don't forget to check out notsam.com for all of your Sam Roberts needs. Of course, notsam.com is the exclusive spot for the Not Sam store. Only a few items, a select few items available in that Not Sam store. Of course, you've got the lapel pins, the Not Sam logo pin, and the primetime cartoon pin. You can also get exclusively The Not Sam hoodie, it's still cold in a lot of places. Don't let these last few cold days be uncomfortable. Get yourself a wonderful, comfortable, warm Not Sam hoodie to wear on those nights. I was watching the Mets game the other night, and I saw somebody rocking a Not Sam hoodie. People said, where can you get those? Only at NotSam.com. Of course, NotSam.com is full of content as well. You get stuff like uh, uh, Sam Roberts Now, the YouTube show that I do with uh, Greg Sestero. From the room, non, oh, most of the time not wrestling related, but just slice of life related. You get the wrestling podcast every single week. You get everything that I'm up to for free over at NotSam.com. Check it out if you haven't yet, and let's keep it moving.
Here is Sam Roberts. So thanks to both Adam Cole uh, and Aleister Black, as well as all the great people over at WWE for allowing me to be a part of WrestleMania Media Row. It's always a good time, and all of those interviews, as they do every year, will end up over at YouTube.com slash NotSam. So there's a couple of things I want to get into uh, before I dive into the state of wrestling this week. The first is, at the time of this recording, it was breaking this morning that Bruno, Bruno San Martino uh, had passed away. And it really is, it really is a bummer when anybody of that caliber passes away. And there's really not many people that are of Bruno San Martino's caliber. This is a guy who has been a legend as long as I've been watching WWE, and his legacy and his status as a legend has not diminished over the years. You know, a lot of times you'll get a guy who at one point is very, very respected, who as the years go on and the generations continue to pass, he, people end up getting forgotten. It's a sad thing, but with Bruno, he was just such an important figure, especially in Northeast wrestling, but in pro wrestling in general, that at no point was that name uh, ever forgotten or diminished or anything like that. You know, it, it got weird for a long time because he had a not pleasant relationship with WWE and with the McMahon family and all that. And and you really get grateful that Bruno San Martino and the WWE made it right all those years ago because it resulted in, in Bruno's legacy being properly cemented, not only outside of the WWE, but within the WWE, you know, and I think that that's just so important when talking about it. So, uh, you m- might have been surprised that we weren't talking about it at the start of the show, but uh, I've already started making plans. Next week, we're going to do an all-out Bruno San Martino uh, special interview segment, a tribute segment, um, where we really sort of do more of a deep dive into Bruno and who he was and what he meant for fans, and I have a very special guest coming in for that. So that is is going to be for next week. It's just we record this on a Wednesday. And so I didn't have time to put all the pieces together uh, to do him justice. I don't want to give you a half-assed, oh, let's remember Bruno San Martino. You know, I bet Alistair Black loved Bruno. Here's Alistair Black. And then we're talking about something completely different. So that the, all, the Bruno San Martino stuff will be next week when I have, you know, a few days to put stuff together that uh, Bruno really deserves. You know, that's that's kind of just the way I felt about it. Uh, speaking of legends, some of you guys were surprised that I also didn't really talk about the Andre the Giant documentary. Uh, it's been a busy couple weeks, especially coming off of WrestleMania. I did, though, I, I saw the documentary uh, a, a month or two ago. You know, I saw it at a press screening, and I did talk about it then. I talk, talked about how great it was, and I'm glad that so many of you are not disappointed. You know, I thought the Bruno... Doc was so impressive, you know, because of who they talked to. I thought David Shoemaker did an amazing job, who does a great podcast called The Masked Man Show. Uh, But he did a great job of kind of painting the history of Andre, and he's just such a knowledgeable guy and and just great to listen to. Uh, I saw Tim White at WrestleMania, and I had to stop him and congratulate him on being such an important part of that film because I think that's a guy who you know, you might not remember to talk to, even though he was closer to Andre than anybody. So I like that they didn't go for necessarily the name draw. They went for who's the right guy to talk to, who's the guy to tell this story. So I love that Tim White was there. I mean, the all the actors 
the Princess Bride uh, uh, cast, like uh, all the all the actors and Hollywood people that worked with Andre Hogan being a big part of it and showing his notes from the WrestleMania three match. Vince talking about it and really getting to hear out of Vince's mouth how much he loves flatulence humor. Uh, and I, I really liked that they didn't kind of glorify Andre's drinking, that they didn't make it seem like this fun thing where, oh, man, he drank so many beers. Like, they did, and they told those stories because it wouldn't have been proper to ignore them. But I loved that they got into this idea that he was in pain and that he was hurting and that the drinking was a substitute for that, that really he was medicating himself, and it, and it got into you know, how uncomfortable he was. And it, it made, and I mean, I, and I just loved the shot of his chair. As a wrestling memorabilia collector, it made me go like, oh, I wish I had Andre's chair. I would love to have his chair. But I didn't know he had a brother. I didn't know anything about his family. You know, I didn't know anything about his siblings. So getting to talk to them and, and the photos of him and his home life and just kind of kicking back and watching TV was just, it was all so, so, so fascinating to me. And while you told more of the human story, I think it did more for his legacy than anything. You know, I think that it, it, it made him even more of a legend in the eyes of me and a lot of people. So a necessary part of the Andre folklore and something that any of you as wrestling fans should absolutely see, but it's something that you can show a non-wrestling fan to kind of give a peek into what the business is, but also just to celebrate this guy who transcended sports entertainment and was a real pop culture icon. Uh, and finally, the other thing, uh, a couple of people were wondering why I didn't talk about the Ring of Honor show too much that was at, happened during WrestleMania weekend, and it's just because there was so much happening that I didn't get to it, and I thought that the stuff surrounding WrestleMania and the WWE news was far more breaking and important to the people who listen to this show, but, you know, Ring of Honor absolutely deserves, and I did talk about him a little bit here in the bridge segment, but... Ring of Honor definitely deserves uh, props for the show that they put on WrestleMania weekend. I was watching it on uh, on the Ring of Honor, you know, online network. Um, you know, I, I, it's interesting with Ring of Honor. I really wouldn't be surprised and don't think it's a bad move if at some point they end up just flat out merging with New Japan. And, you know, New Japan becomes... Ring of Honor overseas and, and Ring of Honor becomes New Japan America and it just becomes one promotion because I think both promotions do better when the rosters are mixed. You can't deny that Ring of Honor shows as much talent is on that roster that when the guys from New Japan are there, it's just more exciting. And I think if you heard that, you know, Jay Lethal and the Briscoes and Dalton Castle and all those guys were heading over to New Japan, it would make that a more exciting show as well. So I, I think that that could happen. I also think that, you know, we're in an interesting spot because of what's happening with New Japan, Ring of Honor, and the Bullet Club all becoming kind of one thing, that we've watched Ring of Honor almost become a feeding system over the years where, you know, that's where Samoa Joe came from. That's where the CM Punk... It was like CM Punk and Samoa Joe were a generation. Then it was... Nigel McGuinness and Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. Then right after that, generic, uh, uh, Generico, uh, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens, uh, and and so on and so forth. Uh, and, you know, I, I wonder if that's going to continue to happen because 
you know, it might with like Dalton Castle, for example. But the last generation of Ring of Honor stars that the WWE ended up taking were Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, uh, and and Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. So you look at Ring of Honor now, and it's almost like it really has, and it's not a negative thing, because it's almost like it really has become something far greater than an independent promotion. Like it's no longer a spot that is a feeder system or a, or or a proving ground. It is its own entity and its own. It's not it's not a spot where you go like, okay, I'll 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 be a star in Ring of Honor, and then I'll really learn how to do it. It's like you know, the indies are there to do that on, and then maybe you'll get to Ring of Honor New Japan, maybe you'll get to WWE, but it's it's become something very, very different, and that's only in the last couple of years, I think. So I, I'm enjoying watching the evolution of Ring of Honor, and I think as a wrestling fan, it's a positive thing, but it's also really, really interesting to watch happen in front of us. All right, it's that time. It's that time to talk about the Superstar Shakeup, to go over what we got wrong, what we got right. Of course, if you missed it, you can check it out on the podcast feed. You can check it out on the YouTube page, Not Sam. Uh, the uh, State of Wrestling bonus show that we did where I kind of predicted the Superstar Shakeup. Some of them I got wrong. Some of them I got right. But it's all very, very interesting. Let's break it down now. It's the Superstar Shakeup and a whole bunch of other stuff in this week's State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yes, it is State of Wrestling time. And of course, we're on Facebook Live. That's uh, if I'm grabbing any comments, you'll hear them here on the show. It's because Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, as I record the State of Wrestling from the lovely Not Sam Studios, I decided to turn on Facebook Live and do it there as well. So if you want to be a part of that, you're going to have to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Sam. And you'll be able to be a part of the live show whenever I do it. It's not a scheduled time, but when we do it, we do it, you know. We've already got commenters commenting in. Now, Of we were just talking about in the bridge segment that uh, Bruno San Martino is, of course, his, his life, really. I mean, his death, but his life is a bigger story than anything that we're talking about on State of Wrestling this week. But... Again, we talked about it a little bit in the bridge segment, and next week, when we've got some time to really put uh, our thoughts together, is when we're going to have a full, blown-out Bruno San Martino special. So that'll be next week. So if you're wondering why isn't there more Bruno San Martino talk in the state of wrestling or any other part of this podcast, it's because next week will be the big Bruno San Martino week. We're going through... The top five stories, really, this is going to be superstar shakeup heavy. But we can get five stories out of the week, for sure. Um, you know, the first is, uh, I guess we'll start with the NXT roster. And that goes back to the guys that we talked to on the podcast today. Aleister Black and Adam Cole. And the fact that now more than ever, they are so important to the growth of this brand. We watched in the superstar shakeup so much NXT talent go over to the main roster and the week before, the Raw after WrestleMania. You're now talking about uh, the iconic duo, Sanity, Authors of Pain, Andrade, Drew McIntyre, and more. No Way Jose, and more guys. All up on the main roster now, all called up at once. Once again, the NXT roster has been gutted, and it's going to be up to guys like Adam Cole and Aleister Black, and Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong, and all of those guys to really lead the charge. And in the women's division, 
uh, I think you're you will, you're in a little bit of trouble. You know, the women's division, I think Shayna Baszler is a great representative and is going to be a really, really good NXT women's champion. Uh, I think Kairi Sane is a godsend because I think that she's just so underrated and should be brought up a lot more. I think she's amazing. Um, but, you know, look, to me, I believe that what this really is is a huge amount of opportunity for everybody that's on that NXT roster. Just a tremendous opportunity. All that's open now are spots. There's just spots and spots and spots. There's no reason now for the Velveteen Dream not to just become the biggest star on the brand. There's no reason now not to get the feeling like uh, uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong, the Undisputed Era, really are taking over NXT. And there's no reason now not to believe that Aleister Black is the head muckety-muck, is the NXT champion. And we did get a taste of what NXT has to offer. Thank God for that six-way ladder match for the North American Championship at the last takeover because Lars Sullivan is up to speed. EC3 is here. We talked about Adam Cole. We talked about the Velveteen Dream. Unfortunately, we lost Killian Dane because we lost Sanity. But just so much talent and the majority is staying in NXT. So NXT still does have stuff. And they're going to do just fine because every time they've been gutted before, they end up coming back uh, just as strong as ever. And I think that this is uh, this is a, a new wave forward. I really feel that way. When you watch these takeovers now, especially, I mean, let's not even uh, uh, forget to mention that Gargano and Ciampa are still over there. And those two can f- main event takeovers for the next year if they want to. Uh, but all year now, I mean, it's been a, it's been a trend for a long time. But I think... For TakeOver Philly, people were like, oh, yeah, this should be good. You know, it, it, like it's going to be a good whatever TakeOver show. And it ended up being one of the best. And Andrade versus Johnny Gargano ended up being a match of the year candidate already in January. And then TakeOver uh, New Orleans comes the night before WrestleMania. And people are going like, oh, yeah, this should be really good. And it ends up being arguably, in my mind, I think, maybe save for NXT... TakeOver Brooklyn 1. I think TakeOver Brooklyn 1 is going to be tough to ever beat. I think TakeOver Brooklyn... The first TakeOver Brooklyn is probably NXT's WrestleMania 3 in the sense that everything came together. This is it. You've got your Finn Balor-Kevin Owens ladder match. You've got Tyler Breeze bringing the house down with Jushin Thunder Liger. You've got the match that was the show stealer of the night which is Bailey versus Sasha Banks, all the entrances, Enzo and Cass getting a, a bigger response than half the guys on the main roster get. I mean, it was the night for NXT. So I don't know if, in my mind, anything's ever going to beat that show. But if anything comes close, it was NXT TakeOver New Orleans this year. And again, Johnny Gargano having a match of the year candidate with Ciampa. So I believe... Then NXT is going to shock us again at TakeOver Chicago in June. But right now, I don't know exactly what that looks like. Luckily, we've got a few months to kind of figure out in our heads where they're going to go with everything. But you know, there's there's potential. And there's a lot of opportunity in NXT. That's the most important thing. There is a lot, a lot of opportunity. Uh, let's get to this. So that's five. Four. The fourth story of the week is the end of love as we know it as Nikki Bella and John Cena break up. Uh, I didn't see it coming. 
But maybe that's because Total Bellas isn't on right now. It's going to make for a killer season, I'll tell you that. It's going to be an amazing next season of Total Bellas. Look, hopefully they're doing well. I'm sure they're doing well. Um, John Cena and Nikki Bella are legit great people. You know, I'm not best friends with them, but I interact with them pretty regularly. And I'll tell you, you know, Nikki Bella has been amazing since the first time that I met her and hasn't really changed. And John Cena is a way cooler dude than I think any of you even realize. You know, the, the, the he's just, he's a good dude. I'll tell you that. He is a good dude. So, you know, hopefully they're both doing fine and they're going to get what they want. I would imagine that John Cena is in a spot where he kind of wants to focus on work and be single and not worry about anything. Not, I don't think that at the moment John Cena wants a home life. He wants to be out and about. He wants to be making movies. He wants to be the biggest wrestler in the world. He wants all of that. And so he's going to go out and get that. And honestly, you know, we saw on the reality show that Nikki Bella wants kids and, and, a, and, a, and a husband and all this stuff. It's going to be within a year. Nikki Bella is going to be married to like, you know, maybe within two years. Nikki Bella is going to be married to either some kind of professional athlete or actor or celebrity or something like Nikki Bella is going to do just fine for herself. She has become a mainstream celebrity. And honestly, she is the type of person that a dude would want to spend his life with. So, you know, I don't, I don't foresee either of those two having any problems acquiring what they want, but it does put a damper, like at least with the macho man and Elizabeth thing, we got to go on the ride of this love story. And then when they got divorced, it was just kind of a blurb in the magazine and we could brush it under the rug. Like, it puts a little bit of a damper on the magic moment at WrestleMania 33. You know, because if, if we had some footage of a wedding to go with this, we really could have made a nice little Coliseum video package. But, unfortunately, we just have the proposal. Good thing those those dolls that Mattel had on display at Access were only one of a kind because it would be awkward. Also, if you go to like Target and Toys, well, you can't go to Toys R Us anymore, but if you go to like Target and Walmart now, you can find the action figure two pack of the Miz and Maurice dressed up as John Cena and Nikki Bella. Uh, awkward. Um, kayfabe is dead. Like you're you're definitely in the sense that like it would have been nice if they could have just faked it. I guess with the reality show and the fact that they were a mainstream celebrity couple, they really couldn't fake it. But even if they weren't going to get married, give us a wrestling wedding. Like, what if John Cena had said that? Hey, Nikki, look. I know you dealt with all the dinners, everything, you know, Miz made fun of us for. You dealt with everything. I'm not doing this. I'm not, I don't want to get married. And Nikki's like, really? I kind of got that vibe. Yeah, I don't want to get married. But, you know, maybe, maybe at, at Backlash we can just have them do a wedding for us. You know, we get Eric Bischoff or somebody to be the officiant. We'll just do a, a wedding in the ring. That way they have something to put us up on uh, on television when it comes time to tell the story. And then, like, in two years, we'll let everybody know that we broke up. That's the way they would have done it, uh, you know, when I was a kid. Just fake the wedding on TV. And then, like, two years later, be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, they're not together. Don't worry about that. We're moving on to the next thing. Don't worry about that. You know? But Whatever. I uh I wish them nothing but the best. Nothing but happiness for both of those two. Um let's see. It says Raw 1000 had the best wedding. I was there. I don't even remember what the wedding was at Raw 1000. 
Um, we go to Rusev. I mean, because the, the John Cena Nikki Bella story isn't exactly a wrestling story. Like, that's why I'm almost like, I don't know what to tell you about it. Because I feel like this is a wrestling podcast. And now we're talking about, you know, Hollywood couple rumors and stuff. You just, you know, whatever. You want your, your favorite wrestlers to be happy is all. Um, an amazing week and a half or so for Rusev. So we start at WrestleMania. And I know when I was doing my thing for television outside the arena, not the one that I completely screwed up, the one that I actually did fine at, I asked the people to just chant something. And we turned the camera on and started rolling. And they chanted Rusev Day. I would have thought, yes. I would have thought AJ Styles, Nakamura. I would have thought, let's go Cena, Undertaker, whatever. They were chanting Rusev Day. And then we go live and Renee Young starts the kickoff show going like, oh, here we are. And the whole stadium, stadium is chanting Rusev Day, Rusev Day. And it's like, what? Rusev gets announced as having a casket match with The Undertaker at the greatest Royal Rumble, which, by the way, on a side note, hit me up at Not Sam. How do we want to handle the greatest Royal Rumble? From a programming point of view, this is going to be one of those fun shows that's going to be on during the day. So next Friday at noon East Coast time, which is my time zone, the greatest Royal Rumble is going to be on. So what do we want to do? Do we want to do some kind of a live stream while the show is on or do we want to enjoy the show and then I'll jump on and do some kind of immediate post show or do we want to just wait until the next podcast to break it all down? It's just when you have a show that's this big happening during the day, it's like, you know, we, we kind of should be doing something, right? So hit me up on Facebook or uh, or Twitter or whatever and let me know what you think we should, we as a podcast community the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, folks. What should we all do to enjoy this greatest Royal Rumble show together? So, right after WrestleMania, it gets announced that Rusev is going to battle The Undertaker in a casket match. Sounds good to me. I mean, weird, because... Here's here's why it's not... The Undertaker thing is not weird for me. That match at WrestleMania with John Cena... While it was what it was, no part of me was like, okay, that's his retirement match. There was nothing about that match with John Cena that struck me as retirement match worthy. It was quick. It was the greatest hits. But it, it made like, he's, he's got to come back for something. You know, if he's going to have a last match, that wasn't it. Because that match would make his Roman Reigns match so awkward. If it was like the Roman Reigns match... And then the John Cena match, and that was his last match. You'd go, why do you do that John Cena match? That's so odd. He had his goodbye, and he just came back, you know, did his most famous moves, and then he left again. That's very, very weird. So I'm glad that he's doing this casket match, and hopefully we'll do what we planned at this year's WrestleMania, which was the last match, and we'll do an official last match next year. He's got to have one. He's got to have a last match, and that hasn't happened yet. And I don't think it's going to be in Saudi Arabia against Rusev. But here's where it gets interesting. Um, Rusev gets announced as being in this casket match. He tweets out a thing that says, bury me softly, brother, which goes everywhere. And then he does an interview for TMZ where he says, like, Undertaker's over the hill and blah, blah, blah. And he talks about beating him. And and Lana says she's going to crush him and this and that. Well, some people were like, oh, he's got heat with the company. Because right after that, they announced that Chris Jericho is actually going to be the one 
in a casket match with The Undertaker. It will not be Rusev. And Chris Jericho starts tweeting about it and saying like, hey, I have a perfect record in casket matches and I'm going to beat The Undertaker and blah, 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 blah. People start saying, well, Rusev must have heat because of the things that he said. He buried The Undertaker. He said he was old and over the hill. And if you watch the interview that he gave on TMZ, he's just a bad guy wrestler saying he's going to beat his opponent. Like, wrestlers are supposed to... If a UFC fighter goes on TMZ and says, yeah, no, I'm going to beat my opponent at the next UFC fight, nobody goes like, oh, my God, he buried him. He's going to be off the UFC pay-per-view. Rusev should be going on TMZ and saying, no, of course I'm going to beat The Undertaker. He doesn't have it anymore. Of course that's what Rusev should be saying. He's going to be The Undertaker's opponent. If Rusev goes on TMZ and, and it's like, well, you know, it's an Undertaker. It, it, it's an honor just to share the squared circle with The Undertaker. It is a privilege to be in the same airspace as that legend. You're like, okay, I like that Rusev is respectful, but that doesn't get me excited about this match at all. You know, I want to see one wrestler say he's going to beat the other wrestler. That's the only reason to talk about anything before these matches. So that's why I wasn't, no part of me was like, oh, that's heat. I'll bet he has nuclear heat after that. It's just nuclear. He can't go anywhere. As a matter of fact, I'll bet he's not in WWE ever again. You're going like, what? Jumping to conclusions a little bit. He's got the best selling t-shirt in the company or one of them anyway. So then, yesterday or two days ago, earlier this week, it gets announced again that now Chris Jericho is not going to be in the casket match. It's going to be Rusev wrestling The Undertaker in the casket match. And it just said something like, after Lana's endorsement, Rusev has been chosen to face The Undertaker. No explanation given nothing. You know, and I mean, I think that in all likelihood, it's just because... This is a unique show in the sense that not all of the matches have build up. Like, this isn't a pay-per-view. This is more like a super show. This is like uh, when they did Beast from the East, when they had Brock Lesnar and they televised it from Japan live. That's what this show is, except a hundred times bigger. You know, you have to imagine that the show's going to be hours long. Like, I mean, I could easily see it going five hours. I think there's going to be a kickoff show. I don't know. I wasn't asked to go to Saudi Arabia, so I can't take responsibility for it. But, you know, it's 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 a greatest Royal Rumble match. It's not a 50-man battle royal. It's Royal Rumble rules, but with 50 guys instead of 30 guys. Even if you're going one minute apart, which hopefully they don't because that pace is way too fast, you're still looking at an hour. I think easily the 50-man Royal Rumble match Easily is going to be an hour and a half, if not two hours. Just the match itself. Minimum. Minimum time for the 50-man Royal Rumble match is an hour and a half. I think you're more than likely looking at an hour and a half plus. Then you've got seven title matches, which includes Roman Reigns and Brock in a cage, which isn't going to be that fast, which includes Nakamura and AJ, which is the first time they're facing off as with Nakamura as a bad guy which includes both tag titles on the line, which includes the Intercontinental, which includes the U.S., which includes there's a Cruiserweight title match. You know, it's all happening. And so, like, there's no way that it fits into a three-hour mold. I don't see how you can do the show in under five. But regardless, I'm fine with it, especially since it's on at noon. I hope it's five hours. It comes on at noon. It's off by five. We can get on Facebook and talk about it, do whatever you want to do. 
But um, it's just a fun way to spend a Friday afternoon. I'll probably, I don't know if I'll be home from work in time to start the show right at noon proper, but, you know, it's like when they did the UK tournament. I loved that it was live on a Saturday afternoon. If I remember correctly, I think when the UK tournament was happening, my wife was having her baby shower, and it was at my parents' house, and, you know, I was like, this is just for the girls. So me and my buddy went back to my apartment that we were living in at the time, and I turned on the network, and it was like, this is amazing. The UK tournament is live on the network right now, and it was an awesome show. So I think that it's going to be really, really cool, and we'll talk about it more next week. But I would love to know what's really going on with this Rusev stuff. Obviously, I have no idea. If I had to guess, it's just people changing their mind. Like at a pay-per-view, it's a little bit more difficult to change your mind because the lineup is not set in stone, but you're you're telling stories pay-per-view to pay-per-view. So to just change it willy-nilly doesn't make sense. But this casket match doesn't have a story behind it. It's just a bonus. So you got seven title matches, the casket match, eight, and then the Royal Rumble match. Nine matches, one of them being at least an hour and a half. I mean, how long do you think the show is going to be? Um, but yeah, I mean, I would just assume they were like, oh, let's throw Jericho in. Oh, you know what? Rusev's pretty over. Let's throw him back in. You know, I, I find it difficult to believe that there's there's a, this big story happening with Rusev, but you never know. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Um, and I believe, yes, the Rusev story is story number three. So story number two and story number one this week are both the Superstar Shakeup. Now, let me see. I wasn't planning on it. Let me see if I have my Superstar Shakeup notes from... Uh, uh, from last week when we did the we did the superstar shakeup show together. Yes. So uh, I well I couldn't have been right on everything because there were a lot more. I think there was like uh, sixteen or nineteen. Yeah, there was nineteen that went to SmackDown, and uh, fifteen went to Raw. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. 15 and 19. Jeez, that's big. That's a lot of people. Um, yeah, so here's who I got wrong. That, I think, is the easier thing to do. Because most of them I got right. On Raw, Daniel Bryan did not go, which I still think might be a mistake. I think Daniel Bryan going to Raw would have been the right move. Um, Charlotte didn't go, which I know was a mistake. Charlotte should absolutely be on Raw. It, it, that one makes no sense. I think Oscar and Charlotte should be separated after the WrestleMania match. Now, realistically, Charlotte's probably not on Raw because they don't want her and Ronda Rousey to be on the same roster. They want, like, obviously right now they're building a Ronda Rousey as a team with Natalia thing. Although, I don't know who they're going to face because I get maybe the Riot Squad because Absolution is on SmackDown now, but we'll get there. Um... So I was wrong about uh, about Charlotte. So I'm assuming it's just because they want to separate Ronda and Charlotte until it's time to really pull the trigger on that. But I still think that Charlotte should be on Raw. And Shelton Benjamin. I said Gable and Benjamin will go to Raw. It was just Gable. That was a shocker that they separated that team, but but that's cool. And on SmackDown, let's see. Uh, Titus Worldwide did not go over. You know, No Way Jose didn't go over, which I think is weird. Seth Rollins did not go over. I think a mistake. I think Seth Rollins being refreshed and going over on uh, on SmackDown would have been good, but maybe the coach was right. Maybe it is just about the t-shirts at the end of the day. And Kevin Owens and Sammy 
did not end up on SmackDown either, which was an interesting turn, and I enjoyed it. I actually thought that that was, uh, that was a good thing. So let's go over. Let's start with Raw. Who do we have on Raw? So Jinder Mahal, I was right. Here's what doesn't make sense with the Jinder Mahal thing. So clearly they didn't want to switch titles because they want Seth Rollins to still be the Intercontinental Champion and they want him to stay on Raw, right? So you can't have the U.S. title, so they put it on Jeff Hardy and then they drafted Jeff Hardy. This, I mean, the way it was set up was the general managers are doing trades, right? The way that, the way that they had this thing all lined up was they had it trades going back and forth. Like they said that Daniel Bryan requested the Miz on SmackDown. We got this person. They got that person. So on some level, some way, shape, or form, Kurt Angle has some control over who goes and who stays, or at least he knows who's going and who's staying. Did he allow Jeff Hardy to go to SmackDown before or after he gave Jeff Hardy a shot at the United States Championship. Because either way, it makes no sense. I mean, Kurt Angle, as a storyline general manager, can't get anything done because Stephanie keeps going behind his back. And when he does do something, it's like this. Like, it drove me crazy watching Jeff Hardy go to SmackDown because if he's on SmackDown, number one, why would Kurt Angle bring the U.S. champion to Raw only to allow the U.S. champion to go to SmackDown, or if he didn't know Jeff Hardy was going to be the U.S. champion, why did he give Jeff Hardy a title shot in the first place? If you were going to trade Jeff Hardy to SmackDown, why would you give him a shot at the U.S. title and allow him to potentially bring that title to SmackDown? That makes no sense. I think Kurt Angle should have to explain for exactly why the U.S. title ended up on SmackDown and how that happened. Because I think it's unforgivable. Somewhere, he made a boneheaded move. So that made no sense to me, but it was cool to see Jinder uh, uh, show up. Um, and I think that was right. Liv Morgan, Sarah, uh, Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, and Ruby Riot, The Riot Squad, not surprised. Uh, I think that's the right spot for him. Um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were done in an interesting way in the sense that... Uh, it was done behind Kurt Angle's back, which, you know, I, I proposed that they end up on SmackDown and Paige did it behind Shane McMahon's back. So the only way to do it, because we know the commissioner of SmackDown, Shane McMahon, is anti-Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and we know the general manager of Raw, Kurt Angle, is anti-Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, because we learned that last week on Raw. So I thought this was a very creative way to do it. I think it uh, adds heat. And I was actually excited about the idea of The Miz and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and The Miz Taraj being one giant bad guy group. Um, so I was kind of bummed to see The Miz leave at that point. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think that this was a good creative way to do it. And it does mix up the the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens thing. Like, you know, it, we got to some finality with it with the Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon tag match. If they went back to SmackDown, they would just have to continue to have this rivalry with Shane McMahon. So it wouldn't really make sense unless Paige brought them back and it started to build conflict between Paige and Shane McMahon. But maybe they just thought better to have better to not have Shane McMahon involved in a conflict-driven storyline because we've kind of been there, done that. So I'm okay with it. I'm cool with it. Uh... We have uh, Baron Corbin going to Raw was a surprise to me. That was one of the vignettes they played. 
not a bad move because he wasn't really getting used on SmackDown a whole lot. Um, hopefully he'll get used on Raw. I'm a huge Baron Corbin fan. I know some people aren't, but I think that he is a great bad guy. I've been sold on Baron Corbin from the time he was in NXT and he was doing the the video package that said a lot of people worked their whole lives to get to NXT. I made a phone call. And that's the attitude that he has. And fans believe that attitude. The people that don't like Baron Corbin don't like him because they believe his character, which is so rare in professional wrestling in 2018. So I am very high on Baron Corbin. I continue to be very high on Baron Corbin. He's a great villain. Um, and, you know, I guess with Samoa Joe gone from Raw, I think it could be interesting to see Baron Corbin uh, go face-to-face with Roman Reigns. You know, I think it could be uh, very interesting to see Baron Corbin go face-to-face with a lot of people on Raw. And, and you know, hopefully he does enter into that main event space. Although I could also see him feuding with uh, Seth Rollins over that Intercontinental Championship. So plenty for Baron Corbin to do, but I really would like to see him as a bad guy in that main event space on Raw. Uh, You had Bobby Roode, no surprise. I kind of saw that one coming and I called it. And, you know, I think that Bobby Roode desperately needed the refresher and it's a good moment. I hope Bobby Roode becomes a bad guy on Raw. I think he's better as a as a bad guy. His theme song makes sense. The robe makes sense. All of it makes more sense if he's a cocky bad guy. So hopefully at some point that'll happen on Raw. Uh, you have the Ascension going to Raw. So you have the uh, Ascension, Mike Kanellis, Zack Ryder, Mojo, Brizango. Like a lot of those guys, I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to... Uh, get all those guys over to Raw for, like, uh, the main event show. You know, because a lot of the SmackDown undercard went over to Raw, and that was all done via Twitter uh, without a ton of pomp and circumstance on TV. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, The Ascension, Mike Kanellis, Zack Ryder, Mojo Rawley end up, at least for the time being, even Breezango end up, at least for the time being, uh, the the players involved in uh, on the main event show that I think still runs on the WWE network, which you know, it's a shame. But also, none of those guys were doing like amazing things on SmackDown either. So it, it'll just be good to see them. You know that that. But that was my take. Those guys. Hopefully, Chad Gable, because my take was all the people that were announced on Twitter are probably like gonna go and do the main event show that they tape before Raw. I hope Chad Gable is not one of those people. I hope Chad Gable gets a real shot because the few Chad Gable matches that we saw that he did singles, he wrestled Rusev a couple times after Jason Jordan left before he started teaming with Shelton Benjamin. And Chad Gable's got it. Chad Gable has it. uh, As a singles guy, he's awesome. And I do hope that he gets a run on Raw. I just, you know, I I wonder if we're going to see it happen. Uh, I was surprised to see Dolph Ziggler go over to Raw. You know, I unfortunately, I just don't know what he's going to do over on Raw. I think he might have had more of an opportunity to shine on SmackDown, and I worry that he's going to get lost in the shuffle on Raw. Maybe not, but I do worry. Natalia going over to Raw was also a surprise to me, but clearly they're starting the next Ronda Rousey thing. 
And the next Ronda Rousey thing, they're going to keep her in tag matches so she can continue to look as strong as she did at WrestleMania, which is smart because she looked amazing at WrestleMania. And putting her with Natalia, somebody that they can trust, somebody that can, can not only train her, but can kind of guide her in the ring a little bit. And I'm sure you could see it in their body language. You could see it in their faces that there's going to be... I would not be surprised if SummerSlam is Natalia versus Ronda Rousey. They might try to do something bigger for SummerSlam. They might try to get some kind of big name in for Ronda Rousey just because SummerSlam is one of their big shows. But I really... It's clear to me that Ronda's first singles rivalry is going to be with Natalia. Maybe they'll do it at Money in the Bank. Although, I mean, Money in the Bank is co-branded as all the pay-per-views are. It'd be really interesting to put Ronda Rousey in the Money in the Bank match. You want to add some flavor to that match? I would put Ronda Rousey in the women's Money in the Bank match. You know, I think that I think that that, that would just... It, it adds this whole new factor to it. And... You know, Ronda doesn't have to win that match and she can still look dominant. Like, there's plenty of reasons why you don't grab that briefcase. But I would probably put her in the Money in the Bank match and then maybe at the July pay-per-view. What you could do is, at Backlash, I would probably have Natalia and Ronda versus maybe the Riot Squad, two members of the Riot Squad. Then have Natalia, Ronda, and four other women uh, in the Women's Money in the Bank match, which... I think those Money in the Bank matches should now be co-branded. Three guys from Raw and three guys on SmackDown in one. Three girls from Raw, three girls on SmackDown in the other. So, like, from Raw, you could do uh, maybe Alexa, Ronda, and Natty. And then over from SmackDown, you can do Asuka, Charlotte, and maybe Becky? I don't know. Um, You know, whoever. Or maybe one of the Iconics. Maybe uh, Asuka, Charlotte, and uh, Peyton Royce. Or something like that. You know, I think that that's the way to go. But maybe have Natty stop Ronda from winning that briefcase. And so that's a story that goes on. And while all that's going on, Peyton Royce goes up and grabs that briefcase and becomes the Money in the Bank winner. But then you go to whatever the pay-per-view is in July. You have... Ronda Rousey versus Natty at that show, and then at SummerSlam maybe do something bigger for Ronda. That's probably the direction that I would go in, but that is my assumption as to why Natty is on Raw. Uh, Drew McIntyre rounds out. I believe we've we've mentioned everything. Drew McIntyre going to Raw was a shock for me. I didn't know or think that there would be more uh, NXT call-ups, but there certainly were, and Drew McIntyre just looks amazing, doesn't he? He's gotten even bigger. Did you see him? And and I do think that McIntyre being a second to Dolph Ziggler is going to make Dolph Ziggler uh, more of a big deal on Raw. I just think that that the eventuality of that is, you know, that's not a Sean Diesel situation. The eventuality of that is, uh, uh, and I guess this was the intention of Sean Diesel at one point, but Drew McIntyre becomes the star of that group. I think that that's the intention anyway. So, uh... Yeah, I think it's a good spot for Drew McIntyre. I just don't know where it leads for uh, Dolph Ziggler. Um, yeah, Donnie says uh, that uh, uh, that's uh, better than a nine-hour show with four money. Yeah, there shouldn't be four Money in the Bank matches. There should be two with people from both brands. Um, uh, before we get into the SmackDown Superstar Shakeup picks, I do think I loved the R-Truth bit on SmackDown, but I feel like on SmackDown we should have found out that R-Truth is going to be on Raw. 
when he said, we're on Monday Night Raw, and they said, this is SmackDown, it should have been like, oh, my bad, and then he's on Raw. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't realize he was not drafted at all. He's just in the wrong locker room, as opposed to, you know, whatever it was. Uh, but, yes, uh, 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 R-Truth is on SmackDown, which, you know, I'm always very entertained by R-Truth. Um here are the 19 wrestlers that are on SmackDown. SmackDown got a whole bunch more main event talent. I will say that. You know, Raw, and that's what made me feel like part of it. Maybe they're trying to do more with the three hours. Maybe Raw is going to use the three hours to make stars out of the people on the undercard. I mean, that's optimistic thinking. But maybe they realize they've got three hours. Let's mix in a whole bunch of new talent and really get them over. And now that they're big stars, let's put them on SmackDown and get the ratings up on SmackDown. That could be the strategy, too. It might not just be we're putting these guys on main event. It could be let's use Raw to build people because we're going to get ratings on Raw and we're still going to have Roman Reigns and we're still going to have Brock Lesnar and John Cena is still going to come in and we're still going to have Rollins and Ambrose is coming back. You know what I mean? Like you're still going to have all this stuff. So let's use these big stars to make big stars out of these smaller names and then put big stars on SmackDown to help maybe get that rating up. Who knows? Maybe. But uh, you had a lot of people. You had uh, R-Truth, as I said. Andrade coming over to SmackDown with Zelina Vega is a big deal. Uh, and I think it's going to be awesome. You know, it, it's not the greatest news for NXT. But where does Andrade go after losing that title, right? Like, clearly, Aleister Black is the guy. So this is probably the best news possible for Andrade. And with Zelina Vega, that act is fire. I personally think that Andrade probably, that act could have stayed in NXT a little bit longer and flushed out a little bit more. But, you know, I I think Zelina Vega, you know, Thea, she's been wanting an opportunity like this I can't even tell you how many years. You know, she's been wanting to be a part of the WWE for years and years and years. And she's finally in this spot that I don't think anybody would sit there and be like, oh, who do you think is the female Paul Heyman? Oh, Thea Trinidad. Oh, from TNA? I don't, what? You think she's, and then she shows up on NXT as Alina Vega and just blows everybody's mind. Knocks it out all, knocks it completely out of the water. And I think, I think she's going to be Vicky Guerrero level over on SmackDown as a female who's just talking smack. I think she's, I, I think the world of her and I just think she's going to do such a great job. Uh, you also had the bar and the Good Brothers coming over. The Good Brothers surprised me because I don't know why the Balor Club seemed like it was working. I don't know if you want to emphasize the Balor Club is the fans and so you don't want to, and, and the Good Brothers are calling people nerds. It is, I guess it is an odd thing when you got Finn Balor, who is, you know, like the wokest superstar ever in the sense that he's bringing all communities together, all sexualities and ethnicities and everybody together. He's got the rainbow uh, lettering out there, letting everybody know that everybody is welcome in the Balor Club. And then you've got uh, Anderson and Gallows being like, nerds, nerds. Like bullying people. So I guess there is a disconnect there. And maybe if you want to push the Balor Club as this thing that it's becoming, you want it to be like, you know, something that's a little more inclusive and something that's about the fans, not about the Good Brothers. So I guess I get that thinking. Um, 
The Good Brothers and The Bar. The Bar, I was not shocked. I think The Bar needs to be on SmackDown because it'll wash away the stink of losing to a 12-year-old at WrestleMania. You know, they got beat by pretty much one guy at WrestleMania. So how do you recover from that and still be taken seriously as a champion? Move over to SmackDown. Uh, and now they have... Uh, who do they have over on, on SmackDown now? They've got the Usos. They've got the Bar. They've got the Good Brothers. They've got the New Day. They, I mean, the tag team division on SmackDown is just as fire as it's ever been. And Raw's doing okay. Raw's, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt are a great team. Oh, and I forgot SmackDown's got Sanity coming. So all these teams. But Raw's got the Authors of Pain. Raw's got Hardy and Wyatt. Like It's definitely more shallow than Raw's roster. they got the Fashion Police. they got the Ascension. But... SmackDown's got the stars. SmackDown absolutely has the stars. They they ended up on top of this. So yes, as I said, and this is an interesting note. You have not only Andrade, but Sanity from NXT is coming over to SmackDown. But it's just the guys. It's just Killian Dane, Eric Young, and Alexander Wolfe. Which is interesting. Like I, I, I guess because they don't want it to hurt uh, they don't want it to hurt NXT's women division. Like, they feel like, okay, if we leave her here, she can still be a part, because she really is great. So maybe the thought is that that way they don't hurt the women's division too bad, and she can still be a part of that over there. But And, and I'm sure that they're not going to take change the sanity gimmick off of her, but it, it was just... It was interesting that Sanity was just coming the three guys. But regardless, you know, I'm glad that they're that they're making it up the roster. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see guys like Eric Young get to the main roster. You know, I think even back with Samoa Joe, but you, your Samoa Joes and Bobby Roods and Eric Youngs and all these guys from TNA, I don't know were ever necessarily intended to go to the main roster. It was just a shot in NXT's arm, and now they're going to be SmackDown and Raw stars. It's amazing to see. But yeah, I think Nikki Cross is probably being left in NXT simply to heighten the women's division, which makes sense. You know, it, it, would, it certainly allows, okay, well now who who is Shayna Baszler looking at? Nikki Cross is still here. Kaidi Sane is still here. You know, there's still now a couple of women to choose from, which you kind of need. So, And, and a Shayna Baszler-Nikki Cross match would be incredible at a takeover i wouldn't be surprised if that match is the women's match at takeover chicago and hopefully it's like a last woman standing like they did that fatal four-way right hopefully it's the it's like a last woman standing or a no holes barred match or whatever it is um let's see who's next on the on the smackdown list of people who went over there uh mandy rose and sonia deville i thought they were going to separate them they did not Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, Absolution, are now on SmackDown. And you wonder, I would imagine that it's going to be one of those deals where they expect special treatment from Paige and they don't get it. Paige is now the good guy and Absolution are bad guys. Like that's, I, I think that they'll almost have a dynamic like Daniel Bryan did with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, where the expectation is like Paige has their back, but Paige is really doing things by the book. Um, because I think Paige is a natural good guy and Absolution are just natural bad guys. Jeff Hardy, we already talked about. The Miz coming over to SmackDown is a shocker. There's only one reason why The Miz should be on SmackDown, and it's not the Daniel Bryan match. 
I want to see the Daniel Bryan match. I believe we'll see the Miz and Daniel Bryan. You know, I want to at SummerSlam. Yes, because of what Daniel Bryan started this week. So that's good. I do believe that we'll finally see a Miz-Daniel Bryan match at SummerSlam, and that's going to be a big deal. Miz needs to be the WWE champion. I don't know if he takes it from AJ Styles. I don't know if he takes it from whoever takes it from AJ Styles. But by the end of the year, the Miz needs to be the WWE champion. No US champion. No whatever. The only reason the Miz is on SmackDown is because he should be WWE champion. And if the Miz does not become WWE champion, it was a mistake to move him to SmackDown. If he does become WWE champion, then I can I can ride with it. But if he does not become WWE champion, no way, shape, or form am I okay with him going to SmackDown. Because you can do the Daniel Bryan match without it. As a matter of fact, you could just move Daniel Bryan to Raw if you're not going to put the WWE championship on Daniel on, on The Miz. But think about that. I mean... The Miz loses to Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. He ends up winning the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble. And then maybe at WrestleMania, maybe after WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan tries to get the WWE Championship from The Miz. Like, I really think if that story is told right, it can be a huge, huge match. But The Miz needs to be WWE Champion in 2018. Period. End of story. Bar none. No exceptions. The Miz needs it. The Miz needs to be WWE champion. Of course, the next month or two is going to be occupied for Daniel Bryan with Big Cass. And I love the Big Cass feud. I love that Big Cass is back again. I think this is an easy refresher. And I've been saying refresher a lot. But I think this is an easy refresher for Big Cass. And I think it's a good story for Daniel Bryan to get his feet wet with. You know, we now have to transition into Daniel Bryan being a full-time superstar. And, you know, I think that... Big cast will allow it so that Daniel Bryan, it's going to be a big win, but it's, you know, he doesn't have to enter into the title picture. Cass can afford the uh, the loss, I think. And, you know, I, and, and it'll be fun to see a seven-foot guy versus a guy who's 5'10". Like, it's just a natural thing. And and, and it'll, Cass will have an easier time being a bad guy with Daniel Bryan than I think with anybody else. So I'm very optimistic about the Cass-Daniel Bryan stuff. I think it's a great look for Cass. It works for Daniel Bryan. It's a great look for Cass. Um, and I think it'll be good. And by the way, speaking of SmackDown, Carmella, like, Carmella as a wrestler, and by wrestler, I mean sports entertainer, is on top of her game. She is amazing. Is she Charlotte in terms of catches, catch, can wrestling? Is she the greatest wrestler in the ring? No. But her promos are incredible. The way she commands the audience with just the microphone and her in the ring, incredible. Maybe better than any other. She might be the best female promo in WWE right now. The laugh is money. And the way she talks while she's wrestling, the way she trash talks while she's wrestling, the way she screams, she constantly stays in character. And, you know, I think you got to give props to that. I think Carmella is just working on another level than we've ever seen her work, and I think she's great. Uh, I was also surprised to see Samoa Joe. And it looks like, yes, uh, there's two more. Yeah, Samoa Joe was a shocker for me, especially because we just started setting up a Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns thing. So, you know, I don't, I kind of thought that that was going to be a raw thing. Maybe it was a last-minute thing, and maybe it was just to throw people off the, off the scent. But Samoa Joe still has the match with Roman Reigns at Backlash, so there will be some 
interbrand stuff going on at Backlash, which I think is natural because, you know, the the uh, uh, shakeup just happened. That, I don't think that that can continue to happen. Otherwise, you lose credibility in the brand switch. But, you know, I think if you're making matches and then the shakeup happens, it is realistic to think that you could have some interbrand play going on. Um, but yeah, so that one shocked me. It's great for SmackDown. It's really great news for SmackDown, but surprised. And Asuka did not shock me. I think that uh, Asuka, yeah, Asuka was great. But listen to this lineup. I mean, The Miz, Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe, Big Cass, Sanity, Asuka, The Bar, Andrade, all go over to SmackDown. SmackDown is becoming can't miss. And John brings up a good point in the, I'm sorry, Rob brings up the good point in the Facebook chat. AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. It's right there for you. It's spelled out for you. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. So, you know, I think it's uh I think it's a good time to be a Tuesday night. I think it's a good time to be on SmackDown. You know, so congrats to all those guys. That about wraps it up for this week's State of Wrestling here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I appreciate everybody that tuned in on Facebook at Facebook.com slash not Sam. Thank you all for the downloads. We'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, and we will see you. Then, don't forget to hit me up with what you think we should do to kind of celebrate and be a part of the greatest Royal Rumble, which happens a week from Friday. All right, guys? Thank you, everybody. I'll see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.